Okay, so my name is uh, Moshe Bamberger, Rabbi Moshe Bamberger, and tonight we are giving this shir as Rafur Shlema for Nisan al Shai ben Devora, um, who should have a complete Rafuah and he should uh, be strong and healthy and give his parents and his family tremendous nachas and mirza Hashem. I'd like to thank the Chazak organization. Uh, I'd like to personally thank Rabbi, uh, who is uh, always arranging these wonderful events and always inviting me to participate in them. And uh, he has a, a tremendous zuchus as well in spreading uh, so much Torah throughout the world. So, of course, the topic that we're going to be discussing this evening is Lashon Hara. Uh, Lashon Hara as we know, is one of the gravest sins that a Jew could commit. It's really up there with the three cardinal sins. Some people throw in Lashonara as well. Uh, that's how severe it is. And it involves many, many positive commandments that you would violate every word that you say, many negative commandments. And so it's a very, very uh, grave avera to uh, utter any words of gossip and uh, any, any bad uh, speech is something that we should really be keeping very far from. But for some reason, and that's what I want to explore this evening, it's so difficult for us to keep away from. If we're observant Jews, uh, I think uh, most of us would say that uh, it's fairly easy, it's a no-brainer uh, to not let's say, violate the Shabbos or, if, or, or tonight not eat kosher, non-kosher food. That's something that most people that are observant would tell you that that's not a problem for them to do. They don't have a desire, uh, or if they have a desire, they don't act upon the desire of, uh, of eating something which we, which we call treif, something that's not kosher, is something that clearly we stay away from because that's a simple, obvious uh, isser, a violation of the Torah, but yet when it comes to Lashon Hara, which is a much graver sin in the eyes of the rabbis, in the eyes of the Torah, we seem to constantly stumble and fall, and it's a difficult thing to understand why it is that this particular act is something that we are so uh, uh, constantly in violation of, even though it's so severe. These parshas that we're leaning that we're reading uh, on these weeks. Uh, last Shabbos was Parshas Yisro. Uh, this coming Shabbos is Parshas Mishpatim. These are Parshas that discuss Kabbalah's HaTorah, the receiving of the Torah at Har Sinai. And there's a, a very interesting medrash. The rabbis teach us something fascinating about before the Torah was given to the Jewish people, God actually went to all the nations of the world and offered them the Torah. It's only fair. I mean, you know, if you're going to choose a people, so everyone should have equal chance to receive the Torah. Hashem is not automatically having a bias towards one nation over another. In fact, the Gemara teaches us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God went to each and every nation of the world and offered them the Torah. So the rabbis tell us that first he went to Rome, to Edom. Edom is the great Roman Empire. Rome, of course, hails from Esau, Yaakov's brother, Jacob's brother. 
And he, he said to them, would you like to receive the Torah? And they didn't say, absolutely. First they said, well, what does it say in the Torah? Maxib Bey, what exactly is in, is, does it entail? What does this Torah have in it? Before we sign on the dotted line, it's only wise to try to understand what we're getting ourselves into. So God says, in this Torah it's written that lo sirtzach, you're not allowed to murder. One of the Ten Commandments, the Sixth Commandment of the Ten, is don't murder, don't kill. Now, this is something that Esau personally excelled in. He lived by the sword. He was somebody that was constantly involved in, uh, in murder and in, uh, and in wars and in, and, and in t- taking people's lives was basically what Esau and what his, what his uh, children and grandchildren excelled at. So Hashem picked the one commandment that was really the Achilles heel of Esau and he said, this is what it says in the Torah, Lo don't kill. Well, Esau, Edom, Rome responds, I'm sorry, we can't take the Torah because we're murderers. That's what we do. And, uh, and that would be impossible for us to, to sign up for it. So they basically turned down God's offer for the Torah. And then God went to another country, another nation, Ammon and Moab, uh, and he asked them, would you like to receive the Torah? And the Moabite said, well, what does it say in the Torah? And he says, lo sinaf, do not commit adultery. Well, that's impossible. We are adulterers. That's what we do. In fact, we hail from the entire reason why Ammon and Moab came to be is because we know that Lot and his daughters had a relationship, an incestuous relationship. They meant well, but be that as it may, this was Ammon and Moab. Ammon and Moab at their core were people that were constantly violating this commandment. They said, we're very sorry, we can't take the Torah. Hashem then went to Yishmaelim, to the Arabs, and said, would you like the Torah? They said, well, what does it say in the Torah? So he says, it says in the Torah, do not steal. Um, now the actual commandment in the Ten Commandments of do not steal is referring, as the rabbis teach us, not just to steal, it's not talking about stealing money, it's talking about stealing other people, kidnapping, taking hostages. And the Arabs, of course, excel at that, and they, uh, and they say, we're very sorry, we can't, uh, we can't accept a Torah that says that not to take prisoners, not to take hostages, that's what we do, we kidnap. So, basically, after all of these were exhausted. Then Hashem finally goes to the Jewish people and says, would you like the Torah? And they, of course, said, Nasevanishma, we will do and then we will hear. We don't care what it says in the Torah. We are going to take it sight unseen. We don't care what it says in the Torah. We trust in you, God. If you say this is a good thing, the Torah, we believe you and we're going to take it and, and, that is, uh, and that's what we're going to do. And that's the end of the Medrash, and the rest is history. The Jewish people took the Torah, of course, and they only later discovered the beauty of the Torah, the positive commandments, the negative commandments, and, and they lived happily ever after. There is a great rabbi who lived in England. His name is Rabbi Gurwitz. And Rabbi Gurwitz asked, let's say the Jewish people would have asked as the other nations did, what does it say in the Torah? 
Meaning they didn't. They just said, Nasam Nishma, we're going to take it sight unseen. But let's say, on a theoretical level, God would have, the Jewish people would have said, well, you know what, we want to first know what's in the Torah. What would have been the Avera that God would have said to the Jewish people that's contained in the Torah that would have perhaps made them run? Meaning, you see from the other nations that he offered them the Torah to, and the the Avera, the the great uh, commandment that was offered each and every one of the nations was the one commandment that would be their Achilles heel that they were not able to take. So what would have theoretically been the commandment that God would have told the Jewish people had they asked, what does it say in the Torah that would have perhaps made the Jewish people run from the Torah? And you know what he answered? Lotelech Rachel Ba'amecha. Do not speak gossip. I don't want any gossip mongering in, in, in your nation. That, says Regoritz, would have been the Avera, the sin, that might have potentially made the Jewish people run away, but luckily we didn't ask. We, we said, Nasev Nishma, we accepted it, but had we asked, God would have perhaps said this particular Avera, because for the Jewish people... This is the Avera that proves to be the most difficult. What would be for our counterpart, let's say the Arabs, they would not be able to accept kidnapping as, a, as an acceptable uh, thing because it's impossible for them. And, and the other nations, their pet Averas. The pet Avera that the Jewish people unfortunately have is Lashon Hara. That's our sin. That's the sin that proves the most uh, destructive and the most prevalent in our nation, despite how severe it is. And the question that begs is, why is that? Why should it be that we have such a difficult time with this sin of Lashon Hara? Why is it that it's in our DNA, it's in our blood, to constantly return to the sin, even though we try so hard to run away from it and try to, to subdue our, our desire for this sin, but it's, it's the one sin that seems to be our, our weakness. And I think that the answer might be that the Jewish people are people of the tongue. We are, as the, as the Pasuk says, Hakol Kol Yaakov, Jacob, his strength is with his voice. We are people that use our voice and use our mouths in the most powerful way. We are the people that brought prayer to the world. Avram Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu, Yaakov Avinu, the, the patriarchs and the matriarchs, and every generation since Abraham, we are the ones that pray. How do we pray? We pray with our mouths. And we have a direct connection to Hashem just by merely opening up a cedar and by opening up our mouths and using our mouths in a, in a very powerful way. The other secret weapon that we use our mouths for, of course, is what we're doing right now. We're studying Torah. Torah study is the most powerful form of connect, connecting to God. It's what Hashem created the entire universe for all in order to use our mouth in a very holy way to connect with Hashem either through prayer or through Torah study. All of these are things that need our mouth. We also use our mouths for chesed. We do kindness with our mouth by giving people compliments, by asking people what can we do for them, by offering people chesed, by offering people 
to come to eat by us, if they need something from us, if we can come and help them with something. Our mouth, the Jewish people uses their mouth in a most wonderful way. That's our kayak. We don't have the sword. That's not our strength. We don't have other types of, of instruments that we are specializing in. The main part of our, our anatomy that is the Jew is the mouth. And we know that there is a rule that whenever there is tremendous holiness, there is also the potential for tremendous profanity. There is always an equal balance in life between good and evil and between purity and impurity. That's the way God created the world, that there should be bechira, there should be a free choice. And so whenever you find that there is a very powerful medium that could be used for tremendous good, that very medium could also be used for tremendous bad. It's perhaps because the Jewish people excel with their mouths, we're able to use our voices, use our tongues, use our power of speech, of intelligent speech, to create such forces of positivity in the world that therefore the Jew has this other side to him or to her that we could also sometimes stumble with that very mouth, the Yetzirah, our evil inclination gets the best of us by constantly trying to lure us into conversations that are unbefitting for us. And that is conversations about other people, about finding bad in other people, speaking uh, gossip, uh, pulling people down, tearing people apart with that very mouth that we use to build up people. And that's perhaps the reason why it's so difficult for us Uh, It's so difficult for us to always try um, to keep our mouth free of sin, free of of Lashon Hara. But it's very important to remember that if we could prevent our mouths from speaking evil, that very mouth that Hashem has given us, that very gift of speech that Hashem has, has granted us, will be all the more powerful to express positive messages and to use it for the power of prayer. I mean, that's really why we're gathered here this evening and every Sunday evening, uh, this wonderful gathering, which is no doubt going to uh, be a source of refuah for for Nisanel, Shaib, and Devorah. This is something that we're here to do. We're trying to figure out ways to use our mouths in a positive way so that he should have a refuah shalema. Now, how do we do that? The way we do that is by showing Hashem that we are not going to use this instrument of speech for bad. We're not going to, if our mouth is a scalpel to, to do wonderful acts of positive surgery, we don't want to nick that scalpel with Lashon Hara. Our mouth has to be pure. The purer that our mouth is from speaking words of gossip, speaking words of, of, of Lashon Hara and Rechilos and Motzi Shemra, for using our mouth for bad, if we could rid our mouths of bad, then that would give so much more power to our very mouths and it would give it the ability to be able to daven to Hashem and Hashem would immediately hear our prayers because the prayers are now emerging from a mouth that's pure. 
And when a, when a prayer can emerge from a pure mouth, that means that it's so much more powerful. Hashem listens to it. It doesn't come out in a broken up, staticky way that would be sort of tortured by the fact that it's used for Lashonara. Now we're purifying our mouth, and by purifying our mouth, we're able to give uh, so much more uh, positive energy to all the prayers that we're offering up to God. And the Torah that we're learning together as a schus for, for Nisan al-Shai also will be that much more powerful. Hashem will find these words pleasing, but only if we're able to purify our speech. By purifying our speech, we're, we're intensifying the power that a Jew has, which is the power of our mouth, to prayer, to, to, to learn, to do chesed, to, to give compliments. That's what a Jew is. And when a Jew is able to say, I'm going to dedicate my mouth primarily for positive, then now their mouth becomes an instrument of godliness. You know, it seems very difficult for many of us to imagine a world that we would have to be so limited in terms of our speech, what we're saying. You know, that's not me. I, 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 this is what I do. People, I'm friends, you know, with people. People expect me to gossip. People expect me to speak about other people around the water cooler. That's, pe- that's who I am. So a, a lot of times people feel, I think one of the major reasons why it's so hard for us to really accept upon ourselves to change in this regard is because we're afraid we're not going to be liked anymore. Maybe a big part of our personality or our social circles assumes that, you know, we are a certain character. We, we speak about people freely and seamlessly go from one person to another and, and just, you know, have all of the information about that person. We're, we're the sources for all of the, uh, all of all information, good, bad, and ugly. And we're afraid, is it, going to change who we are? Is it going to, are people not going to like us anymore if we do accept upon ourselves to really refine our speech? And I think that the answer is that it depends. It depends, to be very honest. Some people, I think, if you're around good people, they'll respect you so much more if you are not a person that gossips. Now you're a person that could be trusted with secrets. You could be, you know, if I know that you're not going to tell other people because you don't talk, you don't use your mouth, now I feel com- confident that I could confide in you. I could schmooze with you personally and honestly, and I'm not going to have to be afraid that you're going to start divulging my secrets and my information to other people. People will respect a person that, lives on a higher standard in terms of their speech. Uh, You know, small people speak about other people, and bigger people speak about ideas. They speak about creating things, being a positive force in the world. It's a petty thing to speak gossip. There will be people, there might be people that don't like us anymore, and they say, oh, you got too religious, and now, uh, you know, I don't want to be friends with that person anymore. It's no fun anymore to... If that's the case, then maybe those are people that we shouldn't be around anyway. It's better perhaps to be in a different circle of people than people that only like us because we're willing to tear apart people and, and, and pounce on prey as, uh, as, as certain animals do. We want to try to elevate ourselves now. We want to try to lift ourselves 
up so that we're able to live on a higher level. This doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It's going to be very difficult if we're expecting perfection in our in our speech because we always slip up we do we're human beings and that's that's part of the human condition is that we make mistakes and and we will stumble but don't let perfect be the enemy of good perfect is not something that maybe the Chavetz Chaim was able to be perfect in his speech we're not expecting ourselves or we shouldn't expect ourselves to be perfect but the more that we're able to wean ourselves off of the gossip that is so common in our lives, the better that we will be as people, the more powerful our voices will be in terms of God listening to our prayers and listening to our Torah, the better friends will be, the better parents will be, the better the better siblings will be, the better children will be, community members. This is what a wonderful person is, is a, a person that really tries to always be a force of good and, and never try to take people down. And when I studied in Israel in a yeshiva in Jerusalem called Kol Torah, and there was a, a very, very, uh, uh, you know, impressive man. He was, uh, he was in his mid-twenties, and he was the sweetest person. He had a personality, and he was a, a very big rabbi, a big Talmud Chacham, and the my friend told me about this person that when he was bar mitzvah, when he was 13 years old, he took upon himself a vow that he would never utter a word of Lashon Hara. And here he was in his mid-twenties, 10 years later, maybe more, and he was still sticking to that vow. This doesn't, he, didn't, he wasn't a hermit. He wasn't somebody that stayed away from anyone, that ran away from anyone. He was a very enjoyable person to speak to. He was, uh, he was a, a loving person. He was a nurturing person. He was a wonderful part of yeshiva. You wouldn't even be able to know that he took upon himself that vow for 10 years had you not known about it. I didn't know about it until somebody told me about it. My point is that you don't have to be, uh, you know, a, don't think that if you're going to limit your speech, then that means that all of a sudden you're going to be this person that has zero personality, that's just a very serious, dry rabbi that has no, uh, you know, that you don't want to be. That's not what, that's not the point here. The Chavitz Chaim, they say, the great Chavitz Chaim, who really revolutionized the study of Lashon Hara, the laws of Lashon Hara. He wrote books on the subject, and he went around the entire Europe preaching about how terrible, how devastating Lashon Hara is. He himself was a, a very talkative person. By all accounts, he wasn't a person that was quiet and sitting and refused to talk. He would talk to people. He would give public speeches, private speeches. He had a personality. People enjoyed schmoozing with him. He wasn't a person that was dry. Speaking, being makbid, trying to avoid speaking Lashon Hara does not mean that a person becomes a, a, a person that has no personality. Don't make that mistake. It's not true. You can have a lovely personality. You could be the most interesting, fascinating person in the world. Just you're not going to stoop low enough to speak about other people. You don't want to destroy other people's lives. Just like you don't want somebody to talk about you in a, in a negative way. You don't want other people, um, you don't want to speak about other people in a negative way. So now you have so much more to talk about. Now you could talk about life. You could talk about learning, you could talk about nature, you could talk about Musser, 
so many really elevated concepts that there are to think about and to discuss at a Shabbos table and at a dinner table um, that doesn't have to devolve into speaking about human beings. It's so, such a low form of conversation. A person doesn't have to be afraid of, of losing friends and losing personality, to the contrary. If a person is somewhat able to accept upon himself to limit the amount of gossip in his life, he will be happy, he will be popular, he will be interesting, he will be elevated, and he will be powerful. Because now when you say something, people listen because you're, you, everybody knows that your words are counted and your words are measured and weighed and that unless you mean what you say, you don't, you don't say it. And so you'll be trusted and you'll be liked and you'll be fascinating, not only down on planet Earth, but also in the heavens. Hashem will find your prayers fascinating. Hashem will find your Torah enchanting. And Hashem will find your entire essence to be beloved because you have shown Him that you are able to listen to His word, to abide by what He wants and what he wants is for us to be people that are glorious people, a mamlechas and a godly, priestly nation. And as people that are elevated, it behooves us to adapt our speech in kind and to make sure that what comes out of our mouth befits somebody that's a princely person. I'd like to thank everyone for participating this evening. And again, we have to daven, and now with our newly found purity of mouth, we'll be able to get closer to Hashem and beseech Him to grant a speedy refuah shlema to Nisan al-Shai ben Devorah.